You're listening to XOXO by The Knot, a podcast exploring love in real life. I'm Lauren Nolan, and you might be wondering what happened to your host, Whitney. Well, while I'm usually working behind the scenes to produce our podcast, today I'm stepping in as host because Whitney and her husband, Henry, are actually our guests. Whitney and Henry married on May 27, 2018. They hosted a beautiful, intimate ceremony held at their home in New York City. Over the course of their six years together, they've learned the importance of taking care of themselves, both as individuals and in their partnership as a couple. Today, we'll explore the many ways in which they've set their own rules and cultivated a life perfectly suited to who they are and what they value. You'll finally get to meet the husband that Whitney makes mention of on many of our previous episodes, and you'll get all the details on how they plan their surprise wedding in just seven weeks. Listeners, meet Whitney and Henry. This is their story. I said, I'm falling in love with you. And you said, oh, nope, already there. Love you. I had an opening. Whitney and Henry, welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> We're finally here. Well, I'm finally here. I guess you're, you're here. You're finally here. I'm in the guest seat. I feel like this is just the perfect way to culminate season one. <laughs> yes. I would like to point out you're not in the guest seat. You're still in the host seat because you I just don't, don't want to change where seats. I sit for this podcast. Usually on our show, we start with the story of how our guests initially met. But Whitney, you actually want to back up a bit and share with us a little bit about your life and personal experiences before meeting Henry. Well, I want to back up a little bit because... The first time meeting Henry, I, I hated him. <laughs> but I actually, I think what makes our relationship great is kind of what we went through beforehand because we actually realized we had crossed paths multiple times before but had never met. And I'm so lucky we met when we did because it never would have worked otherwise. We weren't in the right frame of mind for each other and I was in a relationship. And I was kind of a jerk. So. <laughs> well, yeah, more of a jerk than you are now. Yeah. I have always struggled with anxiety. I got diagnosed my freshman year of college. Thank God one of my friends at the time was like, the way you act isn't normal, the way you're always concerned with dying and your fear of everything. So I'm very lucky that I, my family was really open to this and I was really open to going to see a therapist and thought I had that kind of under control, moved to New York City, and the wheels started falling off for me again, and maybe around the age of like 25, 26, and I was in a really serious relationship at the time living with my boyfriend, who is an amazing human being, but I just got very sick, and anxiety and depression, these are all very common things that so many people deal with, but when you're in the throes of it, you feel very isolated. And I'm so thankful I found the therapist up here that I did because she quite literally saved my life because what I was doing was not living. I was not getting out of bed. I was scared to walk to work. I stopped riding the subway, which in New York City, to not ride the subway for an entire year is just not heard of. And Subways were not a safe space for me anymore. And then it became, well, the bus isn't a safe space anymore. And then it became even riding in a cab isn't a safe space anymore. And so then I even got scared to walk outside. It was a very crippling time and something that I'll never be able to feel those emotions again, hopefully, because it was, it was just so tough. And so 
sadly, my relationship became my security blanket. And I'm, again, so lucky I sought therapy and really got better. But in that process, realized my relationship at the time had just become something that was like a life raft for me. It was just something I was hanging on to trying to get through every day. And it was no longer an actual like 50-50 relationship. So I ended that relationship. I got out of it. I was on my way to becoming very healthy. But there's there's a very big shame when you're going through that. And even close friends of mine didn't really understand why I couldn't take the subway with them. And you become so isolated and you feel almost unlovable. And I convinced myself that I just was not someone who could ever be in a relationship again because my struggles were too difficult to involve anyone else in and I would be too much of a burden on someone. And so I was already on the path to healing. I was riding the subway again. I was making great strides. And so I'm just so lucky that I was in a much better place myself when I met Henry and I started to realize that, oh, I can have a relationship. I'm actually a fairly normal functioning human. I mean, maybe <laughs> Henry wouldn't say that. But, Close enough. And Henry's gone through kind of my ups and downs with me. But I would say I went through a very huge mental journey before meeting him. And I think what I really admired about him was he went through, it's not necessarily similar, but he was in a a situation that was tough for him, and he had fought his way out around the same time. Henry, can you share a little <laughs> bit about that? I can. You know, it's funny, Whitney, talking about how we almost crossed paths so many times because the first time I lived in New York was for a summer associateship job. I'm a lawyer, and the way it works, at least when I went to law school from 2007 to 2010, which feels like ages ago now— you would basically get a job your summer year, your second year of law school. That summer, you would go work at a law firm. And so I was here in the summer of 2009, and you were already up here, right? And we lived, I think, fairly close together. A block away. block away. I was in, like, near the Queensboro Bridge, and you were right next door. And I worked in Times Square, and you worked in Times Square. right. And we just never saw each other, which is kind of weird because after 2008, where we were living a block away from each other, I moved here in January of 2011 after I graduated law school and worked at the law firm that I did my summer internship at. And I worked in Times Square for two and a half years with that law firm. And I guess my side of the story, while that was going on, I was, I guess for a lack of a better term, sort of miserable Working at a big law firm is a grind, and you work long hours. Some of the people you work with are not very pleasant. Some of the people you work with are great, but a lot That's of— That's weird because I hear great things about lawyers. <laughs> I know. There's so many jokes about how nice and wonderful and pleasant <laughs> we are, not contentious or smarmy or full of ourselves. And so I got to a point where I was just so unhappy with— the way my life was going when I was working at this law firm. I was going to work, and I mean, I remember times where I would work every day for 90 days straight where it was 
I mean, work on the weekends. I go into the office every single day for 90 days, take one day off, then work another 30 days. And then, you know, that was it. And that was basically all I was doing. And then, I mean, I remember one time I, I had such a bad cough that I had to go get chest x-rays out in Brooklyn where I lived. I mean, I couldn't go into work. And so I went to the doctor. They're like, you sound awful. We're sending you to a diagnostic center to get x-rays. And in between the doctor's appointment and my x-ray, I had to get on a conference call. And they're like, you sound really bad. I was like, yeah, I'm getting chest x-rays. They're like, okay, time to talk about the law. And that was what it was like. And I was just so unhappy. I mean, every day I'd walk into work and just not want to be there. It was a struggle. But eventually I left my job in 2013 because I was just over it. I was not willing to continue to live my life like that. And that is when I started my own law firm. And that's when I met Whitney soon thereafter. The day we met, his best friend, Kenya, they were living together at the time. Kenya and I went to Texas A&M University for undergrad. And then Kenya went on to law school with Henry at the University of Texas. These are rival schools. Big deal. <laughs> and so Kenya and I had reconnected in New York. We ha- we didn't realize we were both living there. So Kenya and I had started going to watch A&M football games together at the local bar for Aggies. And one day we were getting ready to go watch a game and he texted me and said, I'm bringing a present for you. (laughs) He is a lawyer and he went to UT and I was like, this guy sounds like my worst nightmare. He was awful. He didn't want to cheer for my team. He didn't really spend time with us. He was actually hitting on another girl. And I just wasn't really paying much attention to you in general. Like you were a nuisance to me, like a pest. And I just wasn't really focused on you, which is how all great love stories start. <laughs> I wasn't hitting on, on another girl. Another girl was hitting on me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I view it. Yeah. I mean, that day was funny because I was at a UT football game with Kenya. It was Texas OU. And we won that particular year. And we were not a good football team at the time. And so it was a huge celebration. We were great. And I mean, we had been watching college football since noon. So we had had a couple of beers. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, I watched the UT game with you. You've got to come watch the A&M game with me. And I was like, all right, fine. Let's do it. And I show up and it's <laughs> that bar was so. It was a weird <laughs> It was bar. a weird, weird bar. It was like the one bar in New York City where people weren't there. <laughs> to like, drink. <laughs> like, no one's inside. You look um, like you might get murdered. In true Texas fashion, like tumbleweed rolling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We have a much better bar now, but at the time, you would walk to the back and there was a sign that was just like Texas A&M Association, and it was always crooked. The sign was always hung crooked. <laughs> it was just like the weirdest place. And there was like the sad flag hanging. Yes. Like an was... A&M flag, and it just didn't look right. You guys are really, really painting a beautiful picture of this well. first encounter. <laughs> the setting well, was great. I mean, I thought she was, you know, there with a guy. So I had no interest. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but I mean, there wasn't like a instant connection that day. That's for sure. I was in the front of the bar because some of my friends from my old law firm came and hang out, hung out with us. And we're in the front of the bar because, I mean, they don't care about Aggie football and 
I, I guess I didn't really either. <laughs> and so we're in the front of the bar drinking and I start talking to this girl and we'd been chatting for like a half hour or something. I don't know. And Whitney comes up to me and she's like, you got to come back here. And I, I'm in the middle of a conversation with this girl. You glared at me? Oh, my gosh. You were so mad. Well, you were blowing up my spot. I was not trying to. I did try to from time to time, but I was not trying to then. Kenya wanted Henry to come to the back because between the third and fourth quarter, we sing our Aggie War hymn, and we sing about, like, beating the UT football team. And Kenya wanted Henry to come back and tricked him into singing it with us. Well, I didn't sing because I don't know any of the words. I was just like locking arms with people. I was like, what is going on here? And then I was like, oh, I got tricked. And we're going to cut this and post because nobody's supposed to know that that happened. So (laughs) you're married to an Aggie now. You're Uh, okay. We're not cutting it. (laughs) (laughs) It's my deepest shame. So, yeah. And then I, I went back there and did that. It was so ridiculous. Then I actually went on a date with that girl, despite Whitney's charms and trying to blow up my spot. I actually went on a date with that girl a couple of, like the next weekend, maybe like a Thursday or Friday. I don't remember. when I, It was a Friday. Okay. I remember this because the next weekend, Kenya couldn't come watch football with me. All my friends were out of town. Like no one was available to hang out with me. And... I needed someone to go watch the game with. And I ended up Facebook messaging Henry because Kenya said, just I'll send Henry in my place. He can go watch it. And I was like, fine, I guess. Like, I I just need someone. I don't care who it is. And Henry didn't answer because you were on the date. And so the next morning, we ended up hanging out. We ended up getting in touch. And then we hung out to watch the football game together. So we hung out that night just as friends. We bonded over our love of micheladas, which we had grown up drinking in Texas. And we sat there and just kind of talked about our own lives. I talked about all my baggage and weird things I did in relationships and you too. And he told me right off the bat, i not really into commitment. Like I don't, I feel like a lot of people get into relationships because they're scared of being alone and not because they actually want to be in a relationship with that person. And you were just super jaded. And I, like I said, had been feeling kind of like maybe I'm a little unlovable or maybe like my stuff is too heavy for someone else. And so we just laid it all out there, which is not my strategy. Normally when it comes to guys, normally I'm like, I'm really cool. And then I wait to like two or three months in when they can't escape. And then I slowly unpeel like the levels of crazy. This time around, you knew right off the bat. And we said goodnight. We planned to watch football games together because we really enjoyed it. And yeah. I remember like leaving that night. And I was like, I really actually enjoyed him. Yeah, I had a, like, I remember having a ton of fun. Like, a, yeah. but just completely platonic. It was just a lot of fun and just a weird way that we came together mm-hmm. like and you know how does this platonic football friendship progress into a first date well i the next week i had gone out the night before for a friend's party and i was a little hungover and i was in a subway eating a sandwich in a corner alone and i thought i was going to watch the aggie game with kenya i didn't know henry was joining and i was looking rough feeling rough not great and Kenya texted and I saw the two of them walking up and I was like, oh my gosh. I was mortified that Henry saw me just like in a hoodie 
in a corner hunched over a sandwich. Chowing down on a sandwich. Chowing just down. going to town on a foot long (laughs) and I remember seeing him and I was like oh no I don't want him to see me like this and I didn't realize you were coming out and that's when I realized I think like I almost had butterflies but I was also it could have been the hangover (laughs) (laughs) it's actually nausea yeah (laughs) nausea and a headache which you mistook for but we hung out all day that day we watched the A&M game together we hung out that afternoon as like a whole group of us. And then we went to watch the UT game later that night. Mm-hmm. And I just had such a crush on you. It just hit me like out of nowhere. Yeah, same. I, I mean, I, I think I didn't realize it. Kenya was like, let's go watch football. I was like, yeah, Whitney will be there. That'll be fun. Like I had a lot of fun last time. And, you know, I saw you chowing down on a <laughs> on a deli meats and cheese <laughs> Subway sandwich fully loaded. And I was like, yeah, I like, she's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I don't think, I, like, I verbalized it in my head, but I had that feeling. I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. It's yeah. be a lot of fun. And you were scared to kiss me. Yeah. You finally did. We kissed that night, first kiss, the third time we saw each other. So it, it wasn't love at first sight, but I think, Considering our first two interactions, like it, our feelings developed rapidly. I, I mean, that sort of, I think it came out of left field. I wasn't expecting that to happen that day. I didn't like, before that day, I didn't see you as a romantic interest, I don't think. Like after our friend date, I was super happy. I was like, that was awesome. I had a lot of fun. And then when I saw you the next time, I was like, oh, huh, I guess I like you. And then I had to travel out of town for our friend's wedding. So I didn't get to see Henry that next weekend to watch football together. And we had talked about going on a first date. And I was like, why don't we watch football? Let's watch Monday night football. Because I was just so excited to get back in town and see him. But I didn't want to say, like, I want to see you right when I get back. So I used the disguise, like, Monday night football. And it, it was, wasn't even like teams we cared about. Like I think it was Chicago like Bears. it was Packers Bears. Yeah. Oh, nope. Didn't care. We don't. Yeah. But I just desperately like was so excited to get back and hang out with him. And so we had our first date at a bar with TVs on for football and it lasted till four in the morning. We just I think that was the thing. I cannot drink that much. And I, I like going to bed at 10. You and I go to bed so early. But <laughs> in those days, it was like I could not stop time. I just desperately wanted to. I never wanted to be apart from you. We had so much fun. That was the first of November, and we spent Thanksgiving together that year. I was, my family was going to come up. They weren't able to. You were going to fly home. You decided to stay. And so we spent Thanksgiving Day together and just made our family's recipes that we love, which looking back is crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, especially for me, because I was not, I I mean, I don't remember when I told you. I must have told you on our friend date when I was like, Eh, you know, I'll go on like three dates and then that's it. But that's all. You said you had a two date. Oh, did I say two dates? I go on two dates and then I'm uninterested. Yeah. And so I, every date I was like, I hope he's still interested. But you, you never made me feel insecure. No, I was always making sure. I never said, oh, that was fun. Let's do it again sometime. I was <laughs> like, that's fun. Are you free on Wednesday or whenever we were setting up a date? I was always specific, like, here's when we're going to do something again. I just hadn't felt that way before. And something we did, we went to go watch a UT game. I think it was our second date, maybe, that weekend. We went to watch a UT game downtown, so we had to take the subway. And I was still getting kind of comfortable with it. 
I had these like weird terms I had to stick to that made me feel safe. And it was riding in the front car. You can see out the front. And so I felt less claustrophobic. I felt like I could see the lights changing. It was it was just something that was like a crutch for me at the time as I was getting my confidence back. And we ran down and I had mentioned to him, oh, I just like riding on the front car of the subway. I didn't mention why. And the train was pulling in and he sprinted to the front car and held the doors open for me. And I was like, we can take the next one or we can take a, another car. I'll keep it together. And it wasn't even weird for him. And that was the moment that I was like, I'm going to be okay. And he's so kind to not even think twice about it when even the closest people in my life didn't want to necessarily accommodate things all the time. And they didn't have to, right? But for him, that was, I think, to me, a huge moment where I was just like, I adore him and he makes me feel okay. And that was a huge deal. And then I quickly loved you. Like we, our first date was the beginning of November. We threw a holiday party in mid December at our apartment, my roommate and I did. And I saw him in the the kitchen. We were making like our holiday cocktails for the guests. And I turned to my roommate and I was like, I'm in love with Henry. And he was like, whatever you do, do not tell him this. <laughs> do not have a few of these cocktails and tell Henry that's really early. And do you do you want to say what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I said, I'm falling in love with you. And you said, oh, nope, already there. Love you. <laughs> and this is the night of the holiday party. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, like not an hour earlier, her roommate was like, whatever you do, don't say it. And you I did, had an opening. You did not keep your cool. <laughs> and then we were leaving to go home for the holidays and... Before we left, I said, like, let's talk about what I said. We can pretend I never said it. Like, let's just keep moving forward. It's not a big deal. And you were so relieved. That was the opening I took. I was like, yeah, let's, the pretending is good. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And then I went home. We both are from Texas, but we're from towns three hours apart. So, you know, we were going to see our families separately. I got on the plane to fly home to Texas. And I never think like this, but I was like, man, if I never see Whitney again, because in a plane crash, I, I don't know. And I don't think like that. I, I'm never like, I'm going to get in a plane crash. Yeah, I do all the time. Right, thanks right. to my anxiety. And That's I, my job. I don't do that. But I remember thinking about like, man, I if I don't see her again, I will 100% regret not telling her that I love her. And I was like, oh, man, I really love her. So, I mean, my I'm falling in love with you was a cop-out way for me to say it without being too invested because I'm a little baby. Then when I got back to New York, I immediately went and saw you and told you. It was very sweet. And then we were in love. Yeah. We dated for a long time. <laughs> we, you guys we did. did date for a long time. We did. And we were all still thinking you were dating last year, but that was not fully the, the truth. We were engaged for a brief period of time. (laughs) (laughs) It's even weird to say engaged. So I think something about my relationship with Henry, I wanted to approach it in a different way because what I've realized in therapy is that a lot of my anxiety gets triggered by expectations and things I think I have to do. So throughout this relationship, it was a complete flip on everything I'd ever done in the past. And he and I worked so hard at just establishing our own rules and checking in like, yes, society says we should do this, but what makes us happy? And 
that's what really made me so stable and solid with you. So I had determined early on I did not want him to propose to me and I did not want a ring because especially now working at The Knot, we see the best proposals. We see the craziest, most expensive, biggest diamonds and they're incredible. But I I think what a lot of people do is they invest in these moments and kind of determine and define their love based on these moments in time and not the everyday, which is to me what makes our relationship special. What I realized was when I tell people like, oh, I just got married, they look at my finger. And it's, I do that too. And it's not to judge. It's just, you want to look, but some people do. And I'm so protective of my relationship with Henry because we've worked so hard on our relationship. And I know that a Henry doesn't come around for me except for once in a lifetime. And so I never wanted to set him up to fail from a proposal standpoint. So I always wanted our relationship just to be about us. I didn't want it to be a story I told someone else, as I say this on a podcast. But (laughs) so I always said, like, if we decide to get married and we're older, we're in our 30s and we've been living together, let's just decide as two adults that we want to get married. I don't want to wait around for you to ask me. Yeah, and it just doesn't feel right for me to just sort of be like, hey, I've made the decision that now is the time for us to get engaged. Do you say yes? And <laughs> you either say yes or no, and hopefully you say yes. I, you know, it's just, to me, that's not what I ever wanted to do, because not only is a lot of pressure on me, but it, it puts you in sort of a weird situation where it's not two people talking and agreeing to something, which is what I wanted to do. And what's interesting is, uh, you know, we got, we both have precedent for that because, I mean, your parents were just on this podcast and that's sort of what they did, right? They were like... And I didn't know that. Yeah. They sat down and they said, hey, maybe we should get married. And that's what my parents did too. And it just felt right. And that's such a big question to spring on somebody to be like, hey, you ready? Ready to do this? (laughs) Ready to get married? Huh? I agree. I think sometimes it's sensationalized in media and the photos we see. And we actually just did a huge global weddings report. And it's a U.S. and North America-centric thing. U.S., Mexico, Canada, we're the top three countries and having like a proposal date and a story. But you look over at Europe and Italy and half of Italians just make a decision and they don't have like a date they got engaged. They just had a discussion, and decided to move forward. So you might feel like an anomaly, but it's it's probably a little bit more common, just less publicized. <laughs> well, Whitney and I are very cultured, very European, <laughs> you know. We did honeymoon in Italy. So I want to say one time, I was blow-drying my hair in our bedroom, and Henry walked by, and he just stopped and looked at me, and he said, I would marry you tomorrow. And I burst into tears. Like, there's still such an emotional thing. And I think you and I both were kind of like, we don't know if we want kids. And so, like, why would we get married? We already live together. We have this life together. We didn't even think we wanted to get married for a long time. And then when you told that to me, I realized, like, it opened up something in me that was clearly very emotional. So we went on we went on a family cruise with your family and my family, which— I think it's like a real test to be trapped (laughs) on a boat with your in-laws. And after our, no, I mean, I love our in-laws. Also, by the way, Henry, your mom, Elaine, listens to every podcast. Yeah, I know. She's our biggest fan (laughs) and I love her. 
<laughs> but that is a big test to be on a boat with your with, good, good, good with anyone. <laughs> so after I mean, we had done it with your family, then we went on one with my family, and we were sitting in the airport in Orlando, about to fly back. And you said, "I think we should set a date to get married." Fresh off of a family cruise. And we at first thought, let's do a New Year's Eve 2019 ringing in 2020 and have a huge party and have all of our friends who have kids, like, get babysitters and, like, you know, what better way to keep people out and keep them celebrating. And so we were kind of batting around that idea. And then we just looked at how expensive weddings are, right? I mean, they are. It's an investment. And so we started getting a little overwhelmed because finances for us are tough conversations for me to have. I think they're tough conversations for anybody to have. Yeah. And it wasn't just like, so we like sort of set a date. It wasn't set in stone. We just talked about it because we used to throw New Year's Eve parties frequently. We'd invite our friends over and, you know, have a bash and drink a lot. And uh, so we thought that would be a great way to have the people who like knew us together to celebrate in that way. Something that we had done together, a similar sort of party. But then whenever we started to start talking about, like, the actual logistics, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't talk about this right now. This is so stressful. And, I, I mean, it wasn't – price – some of it was price, but a lot of it was just logistics. It was like planning a huge party. And I was like, I do not know how we're going to plan this. Especially in Manhattan. We really wanted mm -hmm. to get married here in Manhattan because this is where we met and this is where our life is. And Manhattan is the most expensive place to get married. Yeah. And – Again, just kind of really tough logistically to figure out, okay, if it's a New Year's Eve wedding, we should really provide the transportation for our guests to get back to the hotel and having people fly in. And it, I remember I we hadn't really told anyone. This was, again, just an idea we batted around. But thank God for my therapist for so many things, but especially because <laughs> I mentioned this to her. And she said, I cannot deal with you for almost two years and your anxiety planning this wedding. This is not a smart idea for you and we cannot like handle this as a team. And she was a hundred percent right. Yeah. And I came home and told you that and you were so relieved. And we started talking about why we actually wanted to be married. For me it was I felt so weird referring to you as my boyfriend after five years together. To me, that did not feel like it gave the weight to our relationship mm -hmm. that was actually there. And the other thing was just medical. I, I was always afraid that something would happen to me and you would not be able to be in the room to make those decisions. So we had a conversation on the couch and when she said she mentioned the medical thing. It's like, you you know, what are you going to do? You're not my husband. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, that is a nightmare scenario. I said, I was like, we need to go to the courthouse tomorrow and make sure we get married. We can't not be married anymore. I was like, it needs to happen. I was like, if we could do it tonight, we'd be going to the courthouse tonight. And that was how we decided. <laughs> that was the moment where, like, we were really, really, like, before it was like, I sort of engaged, like we had decided to get married sort of, and we were talking about a date. But that moment, it became a supreme urgency. I, I mean, at least for me, I was like, this needs to happen as quickly as possible. And his parents were coming into town that weekend to stay with us. So we decided to tell them that we wanted to go to the courthouse and get married. This was early April. Yeah, this was early April 2018. And... We told them over lunch, and they were so happy, and they were so supportive and sweet and just happy for whatever we wanted to do. 
And then I FaceTimed my parents in Texas and told them, and I just called my parents and I was like, we want to get married. There was no proposal. I have no ring. Is that okay with you guys? And we're just going to go to City Hall. And my parents said, that's absolutely fine. We're happy for you, but we want to be there. And then Henry's parents overheard that and said, well, we want to be there too. And so the only reason the wedding took seven weeks instead of like one was because we needed to find a date where his family and my family could both come up from Texas. And it was Memorial Day weekend. And we figured if our families were coming in, City Hall might not be the place. And we have this beautiful rooftop where we live. And Henry's mom suggested, like, why don't we just go up on the roof and you guys can get married up there and we can have a little party, just the families. And that sounded so great. And I remember saying, okay, well, if we're going to do that, then I guess I might need to get a dress maybe. And Henry, your mom said, you need a photographer. And I was like, do we need to do all this? Like, can't we just go up there and get married? And it all kind of started falling into place. I will say no one should plan a wedding in seven weeks if they have a vision because <laughs> you can't, it, you literally, vendors book up so fast. I mean, especially working at The Knot, you have to book your venue a year, year and a half in advance. I'm getting married in a year and we have not booked anything and you should panic i'm oh, <laughs> i'm nervous Whoa. we're not going to get a, a photographer i love i'm actually very nervous about it luckily we were able to find an amazing photographer philip from the not marketplace and came highly recommended but of course because it was in seven weeks he was like i'm actually not really available that day i'm flying to paris so he was only able to come for two hours, but that was really all we needed. For me, the photography was for our families to have and frame. And so he came and took pictures of our first look and some couples portraits and our ceremony and our family photos. Then he left. And your photos turned out amazing. They're beautiful. They were beautiful because we hired a professional. The planning process sort of snowballed, too, from the very inception. It would, so your parents were said, we're going to be there. Then my parents said they were going to be there. And then it's like, okay, well, if they're going to be there, like, we'll have Kenya marry us. And it's like, well, if Kenya's marrying us, then I wanted a, like, a tiny little groomsman party, wedding party. That was sort of how we built out the guest list for the rooftop celebration was basically, it was only family and people who had, like, really known us together as a couple and been there for a lot, which is a very small group of people, which is hearing our wedding described as intimate sounds weird to me. <laughs> but but it's true. We, it was a very small gathering of, I mean, less than just close friends because there were close friends who weren't there with us. It was close friends who had been there with us for the ride, basically. Yeah, that was a really hard thing because I wanted to invite no one because I have so many friends in New York from my previous jobs and I've been here over 11 years and I wanted so many people to come out and celebrate, but knowing our roof is so small and we did want to keep it really simple. And so Henry had two of his really close friends and their wives who are also close friends of mine. And then we had some of my friends that were traveling in from Philadelphia. And so I said, if they're traveling in, they definitely need to be on the roof. But it was someone, I, I didn't want anyone up there who didn't have a personal relationship with both me and you. Right. And that was a really hard thing to manage. And so 
we called those guests on FaceTime and told them we were getting married to make sure they could be there. And, and told them not to tell anybody. Yeah. Like, this and is then, a secret, so. We wanted to have kind of our quote-unquote after party or reception at a bar down the street. And that's where I wanted all my friends to come out. Like anyone in New York that was a good friend of mine and Henry's, we wanted them to come out there because there was space for everybody. And that was going to be the real celebration. So we sent an email out and I was like, if anyone's around for Memorial Day weekend, (laughs) we were going to have everyone get together and get drinks. No big deal. Nothing to see here. No surprises. No. And a lot of people are out of town, which was absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. But we had a lot of people say like, yeah, we'll show up. And I envisioned them walking in and seeing me in a wedding dress and being like, oh, surprise. But Henry correctly pointed out to me that it's a weekend and— People were traveling from the outer boroughs. Like, there's a lot of people coming in, and if they're tired, they're like, well, whatever. It's just drinks. I'll text them and be like, sorry, can't make it. Yeah, got other plans. And so I don't remember who was in your ear, but you were basically like— well, if they don't want to come to our party, then they're not coming to our wedding. They're dead to me. Was basically I was like, like the, they're not my real friends. Yeah, they're not my real friends. I was like, you can't do a like a bait and switch on people and be like, well, you didn't come to my wedding. It's like I didn't know it was your wedding. And you also said like, would you go out to Brooklyn on a holiday weekend? I said absolutely not. <laughs> New Yorkers' favorite things to do are flake on their friends who live in other boroughs. Yes, oh yeah, absolutely. So you were right. You always are with that. And so I reached out to everyone individually that week and said, like, by the way, this is going to be our wedding. And one of my really great friends was actually landing at JFK from traveling from out of town and wasn't going to come because why would you? No way. And she brought her suitcase to the bar, which was so kind. And so that was great. And the reason we didn't tell anybody was just because, and Lauren, you know this, working at The Knot, you're planning a wedding. Everyone has an opinion. And everyone does, right? When someone's engaged, everyone wants to weigh in, but especially working at The Knot because we have so many experts. I just wanted this to be about me and Henry because, again, I'm so protective of this relationship. I didn't have a theme in mind. I didn't have—I didn't care about the dress code. I didn't care what anyone looked like. I told you, wear whatever you want to wear. You wore your favorite Navy suit. I, I bought a Navy suit. You bought a new, I bought a new, suit. new Navy suit. And Whitney, you bought a dress. I did buy a dress. I was not sure. I thought maybe I just want to get a white sundress at Zara. Like, there's no way to get a wedding dress in seven weeks. I was very lucky with Beholden, who is a very quick turnaround with dresses. And the team there was so kind. And I came in and early one morning and just tried on a lot of stuff that luckily fit me really well. And Everything felt too stuffy. I had always considered going untraditional with my wedding dress, so I didn't really want a traditional one. But I got a two-piece that was gold on top and then like a white ball skirt that was high-low. And it just felt very comfortable. It had pockets and it felt a little modern, you know, because we were just in our apartment building. It didn't need to be over the top. And it was delivered that week. It was such a quick turnaround. And the only thing we had to do was tighten up the straps. And that was when it felt real to me. I was so excited about that. And we booked hair and makeup, which made me feel really beautiful on that day. They did a great job. And the photographer and then our videographer. And people ask if they should have a videographer a million percent. I watch that all the time. It's the most important video in the world to me because you don't remember anything. You really don't. And the photos for me feel like that's for friends and family to like look at. 
the video. No one wants to watch 10 minutes of me. I do, and you do. (laughs) But no one else needs to sit through that. But for us, it's a great way to relive our day. Our parents were really helpful in planning, too. I mean, my mom and my dad were great helpers, and your parents were, too. And, like, on the day of the wedding, they were, like— just on top of everything. And they like, were. The family help was so great. Both of my grandmothers had passed away, and my grandmother had left a lot of her brooches behind um, for me, which I didn't realize. And I'm not really a brooch gal. And my mom put them together and created a bouquet from them and found one on my dad's side from that other grandmother and had someone in our small town of Abilene, Texas, create this beautiful bouquet. And my dad created a little box for it that they brought on the plane. They were like so sweet about making sure it made it in one piece. And that was my bouquet. And that was such a special thing for us. And that was kind of our way of honoring, you know, my family members. I had a big panic attack the night before because it was going to rain on our wedding day and I didn't really have a plan B. And I had a complete meltdown. I was like, I can't believe I I work at the knot. I don't know why I haven't thought through this. This is going to be such a mess. And it just felt really unorganized all of a sudden. I thought it had completely gotten out of my control. And my mom sat with me as I cried. And I remember I came home to you and you thought I was worried about marrying you. Like, (laughs) never. I just am worried about the rain. And it did. It poured rain all morning. It was cold on Memorial Day. It was like 60 degrees. And it stopped just in time for us to go up on the roof and get married and exchange our vows. And it started raining again. So we just sat inside our apartment and everyone gave toasts. And we ordered artichoke pizza, which is our favorite because it's the best pizza in New York. But also one night after one of my birthday parties, you watched me eat like five pieces of it, which is yeah. so disgusting. <laughs> you ate three quarters of an artichoke pizza by it's yourself. Huge. And I that was never... the night you asked me to be your girlfriend. Yeah. You were like, I've got to lock that down. Got to make sure I, I get the girl who can win the artichoke pizza eating contest. One last thing about our wedding. I really like, there was so much good support, not only from our family and like our friends, my groomsmen were great. They were the best. You didn't have groomsmen. I did have groomsmen. Those people. They were my groomsmen. They were his people. <laughs> they, we did a bachelor party together. They were my groomsmen. And my little brother, bless his heart, hates flying. I just hates it. Won't fly. And he made the trip up here, and that was super tough for him, and he was great. And we talked about the dress code. I told all of my uh, all the guests, it's like, come as you are. Like, I truly don't care. They're like, suit? I was like, if you want. I was like, you can wear jeans and a T-shirt. You can wear an American tank top. I don't care. And so on the day of our wedding, I went over to my parents' hotel. My little brother was there, and he was dressed in... <laughs> Michelangelo's David, you you know, that's dead. Yeah, well, he had boxers that mimicked Michelangelo's David and some American flag eagle T-shirt and popped out with a tall boy of PBR or something. He's like, you said I could wear whatever I want. I was like, oh, my God. I would have allowed it. I didn't care. (laughs) It was a rough look. I really didn't care. It was just so important for me to, like, make it official with you. And for Kenya to marry us was so special because he introduced us. And for our families to be there, that was so, so special. I think that was what was really overwhelming for me was not the wedding as much as it was like having them there. That was my dad's first time in New York. And it was just incredible. And our families, that was their first time meeting. They get along so well. It was mm-hmm. just the most beautiful weekend. And it's the happiest day. You just feel surrounded by your favorite people and all the love in the world. And it was the best. And we had the, the best, best time at the party. Do you want to talk about your first dance? Yeah. Our- <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe. Our song is Al Green's Let's Stay Together because the first movie we watched together was Pulp Fiction. Very romantic. Very romantic. So our videographer asked the bar to play the song, which was so nice. And so it came on. So we just started dancing in the middle of the bar. And he, I, I did a little twirl and then we went to do a dip. And Henry just kind of kept letting me dip backwards and backwards. And I crumpled to the floor. And we caught it on video. We made a gif out of it. There's a lot of good memes circulating around the not office with this first dance. <laughs> There's also two sides to every story. I, I didn't <laughs> drop you. You just kept falling backwards. You were, like, not supporting. You were, like, a dead weight. You just, like, let go of everything. And uh, we're not helping. And you fell. That was it was hilarious. Maybe not my fault. And the video is the best because you can see me go over to Kenya and point at you on the floor and be Blame like, it on me." She was like, "That's her fault. It wasn't me." I was still on the ground. I was just <laughs> like, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> you, to be to be fair, though, you fall over a lot. I do. I'm so clumsy. <laughs> you trip a lot. You fall. Yeah. You run into doors. <laughs> yeah, it, I, it genuinely happens all the time. So. Yeah. It, but it was the best day, and I think there was—we kept saying before we got married that um, nothing was going to change because we lived together. It really did feel like everything changed for us, especially for Henry. You were so emotional about it. I've never been, like, a big planner in the sense of, like, planning my life out. Like, oh, here's my five-year plan for, like, what I want to do. I, like, went to law school sort of on a whim— I almost didn't go to UT because not important. I almost decided to go somewhere else. And, you know, I just never had a plan. And then when we got married, I was like, okay, here's our like 30 year plan. I was like, here's how much, here's our budget so we can retire. Here's how we've got to like start living to make sure that you and I are financially secure and like everything. I was like, it, it totally changed my time horizon. I don't think it happens to most people, but you were really changed by it. It was really sweet to watch. And I just felt a little more secure. I don't know. It's it's nice to be able to say my husband because I think people actually see our relationship as seriously as I take it. And it's been great. It's been a year. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> so did you guys do any, like, paper gifts for the paper anniversary? Sure did. <laughs> sure <laughs> I, did. I was so stressed about getting a first-year anniversary gift. Paper, though. I mean, the same thing was going on with paper. Like, that week, I was like, I still don't know what I'm going to do. And then, like, I, I one day, I was like, I had a, a stroke of brilliance. I was like, oh, wait, I will. We had a, all of our photography was digital. We hadn't had any uh, paper photos. So I was like, that's actually a pretty good idea. And so I printed off 200 of our wedding photos from our professional photographer and made us an actual photo album. I woke up early that morning and spent the entire morning by myself going through all of our wedding photos on our anniversary and like putting them together and like ordering them like they weren't in the right order. So I had to like go through and be like, I had to recall the day perfectly. I was like, all right, this happened. And then this happened. And then, like, by the end, I was like, <laughs> I spent, like, probably, like, an hour doing that, maybe an hour and a half. I don't know. So by the end, I had been, I'd been thinking about our, our wedding so much that I was in a hyper-emotional state. 
And we also, we had 300 photos or whatever from the photographer, but then we had 1,400 photos from our guests, which was insane because we didn't have a ton of guests, but we used the guest app and it's free and it's incredible and I highly recommend it. You can invite all your guests to it and every photo they take just automatically gets updated, uploaded because no one like can depend on a hashtag anymore. I feel like you see just a few of the best ones that your guests want to share, but we got every photo everyone took, and those are so fun to look at <laughs> because they're like the behind-the-scenes moments of what everyone was doing. And after our photographer had to fly to Paris, that was all of our after-party photos, and they're so fun. Like it's more candid. It's not. There's no poses. It, it's it's really fun. Uncomfortably natural. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> there's some weird stuff going. Especially there's like a progression. Like at the end of the night, because they're chronological. So you're getting some weird stuff at the end. Like <laughs> people just taking pictures of themselves. Just you know, after after having a good time. I love the guest app. I actually use it for vacations. I know it was oh, created smart. for weddings, but like our friends, our college friends go on vacation every summer. And so every vacation we go on, I make them join the guest app for those events. And you do, towards the end of the night, get some some good ones. <laughs> it was fun. It was really cool to like look through them and sort of see what people were up to. Our dads were like taking photos of each other. Like It was, it was really a game, funny. Like a game of tag. It was hilarious. So... You had these awesome first-year wedding gifts for each other, and you didn't have a wedding registry, though, because you can't necessarily set up a wedding registry when your wedding is a secret. Did you guys get anything for your wedding from any of your guests or family? Absolutely. Our our friends and family were great. I, I mean, our family did so much, and then you know, you tell your friends, you're like, I don't really want anything. Like, it's a small wedding. I, I, you know, you almost feel guilty about it. We said donate to a charity, which a lot of people did. And then we still got gifts. You know, we got a lot of, like, cash and, like, gift cards and stuff that was great. And then totally random stuff. <laughs> and if we you don't got... want totally random stuff, then you need to make a registry. <laughs> we got wine glasses, and they're in the shape of cat heads, and I love them so much. We got... A cake baking class and like a pet painting class because I'm obsessed with my cat, Emma, our cat now. And we got a night at a hotel that we still need to do. We just got really sweet, thoughtful gifts. And I will say they everyone was really respectful that we live in a small New York City apartment. But God, I wish we had a registry because I <laughs> see things so much and I'm like, I wish we had a registry and we had done a bigger wedding so I could get this. Like, there's a $2,000 wine fridge that's on the market and uh. I I know <laughs> I feel like I need it and I mean need. So, I mean, we have lots of discussions about the difference between need and want. So. <laughs> I need this I don't, wine fridge. I, I understand wanting it. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. I got to play with it. It was awesome. But that's kind of the fun part of registries. Like, we actually do need upgraded towels. Our towels are disgusting. Yes. But, like, I actually really want a drone that takes photos. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're supposed to have one big yeah. gift, right? Yeah, you the better things, believe both of those are going on yeah. the registry. Yeah. you got to put some dream gifts on there. <laughs> you I do. know I've learned so much about weddings from being married to somebody who works for The Knot. But if we had actually had a registry, I think we would have done a lot of cash experiences because— yeah. That's so important to us. When we went on our honeymoon, we took a cooking class in Italy, which was the most incredible experience and one of our best days ever. And we still use those recipes at home. And so like... Frequently. 
frequently. And so, you know, if we had done a registry, I would have absolutely registered for a cooking class on the honeymoon, things like that. That's so important to us as a couple, and that's how we bond. Yeah. I think if I could do it all over again, though, I'd I'd go with the puppy fund. That's what I would want. You guys just had your one-year anniversary. What have you learned in the first year of marriage, and what advice do you have for other people who are thinking about walking down the aisle and pursuing a life as a married couple? There's a few things, and one of them my therapist taught me, and I credit her for keeping us in business, <laughs> you and me. She's the third person in this She is podcast. the third person in our well, relationship. The third, yeah. And she basically told me the days when I'm having a really hard time or I'm really down, because we all have those days where just like we're grumpy and I'm in a bad mood and I want to go home and just vent to you. She was like, do something nice for Henry instead. It helps kind of reroute your feelings. And that's not a big deal. Like I'll go by the grocery store and get his favorite soda water and like bring it home for you. Just a little surprise, something that makes you feel really happy and that makes me feel good to make you happy. And A, I either forget why I was upset or B, it's a nice like bargaining chip. Like here's something nice. Now you have to listen to me complain. (laughs) But it really is helpful. And the other thing I will say is what I realized in past relationships was I was kind of setting people up to fail from time to time. If they were doing something that bothered me, I wouldn't say anything. I'd sit back and watch and wait for them to keep doing it. And then I'd finally like explode with it. And something I work on with Henry and I think we mastered really early on was if you're doing something I don't like, I quickly communicate that with you or I lay down the rules. Like you can go do this, but I need you to call me to check in after 10 o'clock if you're not coming home yet because I just want to know where you are because my brain thinks you're dead. You know, <laughs> things like that. And we we communicate so quickly that I'm never putting you in a position where I would just get mad at you or lose my temper for any reason. Yeah, I think communication, I mean, I'm sure that's like everyone's, the most yeah, basic. Everyone says like, that, but yeah, it's so important. That's got to be key to maintaining a relationship. I have advice for people thinking about getting married, which is what I learned from our engagement, whatever you and I had, is when we finally decided to get married, it was it wasn't like, all right, I'll be ready to let's get engaged. I'll be ready to get married to you in a year. It was I want to be married to you as soon as possible. Today, like if we can like go online and click a button and be married. Let's do it right now. And so I think if you're thinking about getting engaged and you here here's how you should gauge it. You should say before you get engaged, would I marry this person tomorrow, today, in an hour to no fanfare? If I could just click a button, if as soon as she says yes, that's it, we're married or when you guys agree because, you know, Whitney didn't say yes, we just agreed to it. In that moment, you have to be willing to get married right then. And that's when you know it's the right time to get engaged. And then if you guys want to plan something, if you want to take a year or two years, however long you want to take to plan, that's fine. But if you're not willing to forego that process and get married immediately, I think maybe it's not the right time to get engaged. Yeah. So instead of a stepping stone, it's really that jump to commitment, which I 100% agree with. Because I mean, engagement is a commitment. You're saying, but it's a commitment to be committed. I, I don't know what it is, but it's a weird stepping stone to me. But I'm also not in the marriage business. I'm just some guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both for joining us. This is our last episode of season one. And 
I could not have picked a better couple to share their experience with us. So thank you. I hope it was worth the wait. Everybody finally got to listen. I don't know if people were waiting. (laughs) Well, I don't know. (laughs) Thank you, Henry, for coming on and being open. You're so private and I appreciate you talking about how much you love me. I, I would say any time, but it, you're welcome. This is a one done thing. <laughs> yeah, this is a, we're not you're done. not a professional guest. No. <laughs> XOXO is a podcast produced by The Knot, the nation's leading wedding planning app, offering a seamless all-in-one planning experience. From finding inspiration in local vendors to creating your registry and managing all your guest experiences, like digital RSVPs and photo sharing through apps like the Guest app. The Knot was founded on the mission of helping every couple plan their wedding, regardless of their style, budget, location, culture, or who they choose to marry, or in Whitney and Henry's case, their timeline. For more than 20 years, The Knot has helped empower 25 million couples and counting to plan their perfect celebration. If you're planning a wedding, be sure to download The Knot Wedding Planner app, available for all mobile devices. Now, a word from our listeners. James from Denver emailed us with this marriage advice. Engage and take an interest in the activities that your partner enjoys. You'll learn a lot about them, and there's something simply incredible about watching them come alive with passion. And of course, in being a good partner, they should extend this engagement to your interests too. Erica wrote to us over Instagram. She shares... Playfully teasing your spouse in front of friends might seem like a way to liven up conversation and have a bit of fun, but what you're really doing is passively pointing out flaws. This is a bad idea. Instead, talk up what you're proud of or what you admire about them. And if you must, point out one of your dog or cat's flaws instead, never your spouse. Thanks for tuning in to XOXO by The Knot. If you have a comment about our show, tips for making your own traditions, or marriage advice you want to share, email us at xoxo at thenot.com. And connect with us on social. Search our handle at The Knot and on the web at thenot.com. And be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you to our producer, Rich Serbini. This podcast was recorded in New York City at The Hangar Studios. <laughs>